our beloved chiropractic profession faces challenges like never before. These challenges come from not only outside the profession, but also from within. Hi, I'm Dr. Bobby Braille, and I've had the opportunity to see this profession as a practitioner, a teacher, an administrator, and a politician. In my over 40 years in chiropractic, I've just about seen it all. Join me on Cairo Rants for an honest and no-holds-barred discussion about all aspects of chiropractic practice, politics, education, and philosophy. We'll talk about subjects that most only want to whisper about, and we'll interview the leaders in our profession to get some straight-up answers. If you're looking for a politically correct chiropractic discussion, this is not the place. Welcome to Cairo Rants. Hi, this is Dr. Bobby Braille, and welcome to another edition of uh, Cairo Rants. And today I've got with me two students uh, who are also interns. And uh, I'm going to ask them a couple of questions because today I wanted to rant a little bit about involvement. And we're going to take a slightly different uh, slant on that one. I've got in front of me Dr. John and Dr. Matt, who are uh, 13th, 14th quarter students at Life University. Is it 13th? Yes. Okay. And I was asking them earlier, and I'm going to ask the question again of each of them here, um, are you members of any uh, national chiropractic associations? Either one of you. I am not. No, I'm not. Okay, so that's a no for both. How about any state associations? Are you members of any state associations? No, sir. No, I'm not. No. Okay. Uh, any chiropractic organizational groups whatsoever are you members of? Something you pay a dues to, even if it's a student-level dues. I, I pay dues to be in the Advanced Zone School of Healing program, but other than that, I'm not in any ongoing... No, nothing currently. Okay. Now, I mean, there are, I know, in some of the more involved chiropractors who are involved in every association or are constantly in a political battle like I have been over the decades, there's always going to be this, well, what's wrong with those students? I don't think that's the issue here because I've spoken to a lot of students and obviously the ones that come to intern with me have a little more of a hunger because I get to choose, pick and choose them. But one of the issues I found is that routinely they're not members of associations. Uh, years in past, just to give you a little update, when I was the ICA uh, president back in the late 90s, um, Sid before that had uh, automatically joined people, uh, his students, into the ICA. Other colleges were joining theirs into a respective organization, some ICA, some ACA. Uh, some at that point was the FSCO. Uh, since then, that's not been the case to where uh, tuition money is used to join them into associations. When I became president, I shunned it. I have several presidents ask me if they want my, their, and I didn't want that. I, I wanted students to make their own decision to join, but then I worked very hard to give them reasons to join. What we see today is a uh, large-scale lack, and I don't have the membership numbers in front of me, but I am sure they're very suppressed, how many students are actually members of national associations. And granted, a lot of the associations, you know, a lot of their income doesn't come from the very small amount that a student pays. In many cases, it's a one-time fee as a student, and you never pay again. But 
still the the lack of courting or the lack of giving reason so so what i'm going to do here i'm going to focus a little bit more about the um the value of it or the perceived value of it now i'm going to start with you dr matt um you never joined any national chiropractic uh, political organization um let's do it overall how come why not i and I don't mean this just in not on your radar way. or not what? on my radar. I don't see exactly why it's a value to me for or my patients or my future of my practice or myself as a professional. I just don't see necessarily what the reason to join is. And I think if that was made a little bit more clear, that might help me to be persuaded. To do you join see that as a, as a student thing or is it something that I just don't want to do it as a student or overall, you don't see the, the, the value of it. I think that information is just something that I would have had to seek out on my own. And I didn't really, I haven't seeked that information out. I haven't looked for that on my own. All right. So, so it's not like they, nobody plopped it in front of you. But then again, nobody, uh, it wasn't so obvious that you could find it. Right. People didn't plant the seeds of the idea necessarily. Okay. Right. While you were at school, um, and I'll get to you in a second, Dr. John. But while you right. were at school... Were there any speakers from the associations who were courting you to to join their associations? Only if we took the time, extra time, to go to certain events. There would be GCC representatives. And there was one time that I had that conversation with a GCC representative, and they were... The GCC being the Georgia Council of Chiropractic, and that's the state you're in, so it's obviously easy for a uh, an official from GCC, of which I'm a past one, uh, could just show up at the school and, and make a speech. Now, this was off school time. It wasn't a school-sponsored event, or it was a GCC-sponsored event on the school. What was it? It was some sort of school-sponsored event. I think that they had vendors. I don't remember exactly the occasion. I think it was over two years ago, but uh-huh. I do remember speaking with someone, and they had me interested in the idea of just being part of an interprofessional organization and that there might be some value as well as to the... Um, to the political power that chiropractic has by being able to have organizations that represent people's opinions. And I think that that's, that's important, but I just, I just want to see some value on a personal level. I think that that would help coerce or um, make it more fascinating to me, the idea of joining one of these organizations. Dr. John, uh, chiropractic student, future Dr. John, what is your thought on that? I mean, you know, how come you haven't been involved in joining one of one of the any association relative to chiropractic, uh, especially the political ones. What, what's what prevented you from doing that or kept you from taking that step? Well, there's only so much time and emphasis that you can put in. And as a student, a lot of it went into classes, and a lot of it went into adjusting. Uh, yeah, I I didn't really uh, get much of an opportunity to. Uh, learn learn about them. I, I, I agree with Dr. Matt that you kind of have to learn about it on your own and step outside and try to find that information. So it wasn't like they presented it to you. I mean, years past, when I was a, a past president, I spoke at almost every chiropractic campus, and it was always during some sort of an assembly function that I was there. Uh, so there was some form of mandatory attendance. There were a handful of them where it was extracurricular during or after classes, assembly type of a deal. Uh, but I still got to speak and we still recruited. Um, have you seen the head on campus in the time that you've been there? 
Have you seen or been aware of the head of any chiropractic association on a national level show up and speak at your campus? Have, no. you, have you been aware that that happened? Not that I'm aware of, no. No. So uh, now I, I, I don't know the schedules. I know that some of the ones that I know actually have gone to various campuses. I don't know if they've been to life or not, uh, when they might have been. But you're not aware that that's happened. I'm not aware. So I'm you don't see that. the recruiting of it. Correct. You, you mentioned something about the, the value relative to your future practice. And there's a little bit of a, a difference here the state value or region value versus the national value. And what I mean by that is this, your state association, whichever one, whatever state you decide to, to practice in, and there in many cases are more than one state association in a state, they work with, defend, and constantly do political uh, battling with the legislatures that govern how you're allowed to practice. In other words, there's no national license in the United States. It's uh, every license is granted by the state. That's where you get your license. And so there's constant work to either preserve it, prevent bad things from happening, or help it get better as far as your ability to practice chiropractic in the state. That falls on the state associations. So in many cases, there's a direct input relative to your state that you're planning on practicing in that your state association defends or fights for. Um, has that been a consideration Have uh, other than that the GCC, and I don't know if you're looking to practice in the future in Georgia, but in the various areas you're looking to go to, is it something that when you get in practice you would consider being a part of or are motivated or maybe, what would be your feelings on those? One of the most important things for me, the idea of protecting the ability of a chiropractor to see somebody without a referral, I think is essential. And I think that if that kind of thing is protected, I can't imagine what other things I need protected. Of course, my ability to correct and monitor the condition of a patient's spine is the most important thing to me. And the ability to see somebody without a referral, I think that those are the, probably the biggest issues for me politically, I just don't know. Right. Now, those mainly would be under the uh, state association's purview. Okay. Um, so is that something you would consider being a part of relative to, you know, supporting them and joining that state association or whatever state you're going to wind up in? I would. And I'd, I think I need to do some research and look into some of these organizations, see what they're doing, see what they're acting But as doing. a student, you don't see there as a value right now, though. Not particularly. I don't see that the, there's anything being offered to the students, but hey, we're on the other. We're just about to be on the other side, so mm -hmm. that, I'm thinking that as well. But as a student, I'd like. John, to what about you? What do you think about uh, on the state association concept of, of being a part of that? Yeah, I agree with Dr. Matt that uh, that there's not uh, that much shown to students for a positive outlet of it, but. As a practicing chiropractor, I could see myself getting into a state. Because of their direct work with your state law. Yes, yes. Consider possibly Michigan. Now, as far as what the states protect, uh, just because uh, as a student, you wouldn't be aware of everything that takes place on a state level. Uh, in many different states, there are constantly bills being introduced that are there to basically decimate the practice of chiropractic. Um, a couple of years back, there was a law introduced, uh, a bill, I won't call it a law, a bill introduced in Connecticut 
to take away the rights of chiropractors to see minors. So no adjusting of children had that have passed. Uh, the state association obviously jumped in immediately. There were more than one state association jumped in immediately and, and you know, put the lobbying effort towards that. Uh, in that case, I know the, in, the International Chiropractic Association also lobbied on that and had their people go into the state. And, and that's not a common phenomena that a national or international association uh, has a say in that. But they do at times offer the resources necessary, which brings me to the national or, or international chiropractors associations in that their membership, uh, cumulatively, if you look at how many people are members of state associations uh, in the United States, if we, if we limit it to that discussion, there's a whole lot more chiropractors as members of state associations than there are of both national, both major national chiropractic associations combined. In other words, there are more people belonging to the various state associations by far than both the American Chiropractic Association and the International Chiropractors Association, by far. Which means that issue of it not seemingly being of value goes beyond just the student. But you know, in both cases, the student situation is and just to give you a little history, because I know some of it's there, students pay a one-time fee to join the National Association. It's not like they pay a yearly dues. It's a one-time fee. It's greatly reduced, like one-tenth the price or something like that, or even less than that. And then when you do that, you get like, I think it's your first year as a doctor free, which and you get discounts at the seminars and the programs and the license renewal that they put on. So there's a huge value there. But I'm sure most of you guys looking at me like you never heard of that before. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, That's which actually means they're not doing a great job selling it to you. Yeah, right. Um, so there's this issue. Now, as far as though the political value of it, because I know there have been times when different uh, leaders have shown up and talked about what I just mentioned to you. But even at that, it didn't stir people to join. What is it a national association doesn't do that doesn't make it that interesting for you as a student to join? You had to think about that I for think, a little bit, I noticed. Right, a, yeah. a pause. That wasn't a blip on our, our uh, audio there, folks. They're just thinking about, okay, gee, I don't know what they do to help me out. <laughs> if they did some sort of some sort of brief live trainings and things like that for members especially students, the kind of thing that could keep us excited, just like the feeling of when you go to a Dynamic Essentials seminar and you leave with a really high emotional state about chiropractic and you're excited. And I think just building that in a student is really important because we need, I guess it's pep, this to spire, the spirit, get the spirit of chiropractic. But, uh, you know, we need to spend some time uh, with people that are excited about what we're doing. So I think that might help. Yeah, I guess uh, just awareness. I, th I think this is something that me and Dr. Matt should know more about. So just uh, getting into the schools and... Uh, now, I know the, I, from, a, from an ICA standpoint, I know they have a pediatric conference on a regular basis. Um, yeah. I don't know how many students actually attend that, but uh, I know, it's, and it's all over the country. I mean, it was, you know, why it's, you know, it's not always like you can just go to it easily as a student. The resources necessary to get there in many cases, and the hotel they usually pick is top end so it's not like you can stay there fairly affordably yeah. um, but still I know they have different programs they have sports programs they have other things 
mainly geared towards the chiropractor. It is open to students. There is a student rate for them, but it's not, you know, usually the, the price of the seminar is nothing compared to the price of the hotel you stay at to be at these things. You know, you may pay a couple hundred dollars for a seminar and a couple of thousand to stay at the hotel. So, I mean, I understand as a student, it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. But they don't really show for you any uh, political value to join their national associations as a student. Yes. Not seen it. Not seen it yet. Yeah. And, And just to help add a little bit to that, having been in that seat for a while, when I was a chiropractic student, and granted, my perspective is probably different because I've been involved in the chiropractic politics and associations from just about day one. When I went to school, and uh, at my school, this was New York Chiropractic College back in the 70s, they had both at one point or another the president of the ACA and the president of the ICA speaking, not together necessarily, although that has happened at campuses. I spoke with the ACA president when I was ICA president at Cleveland College. But when I was in New York, that didn't happen. We had separate talks. And at the time, not having any background in chiropractic and not knowing what it was about, I thought, well, I should be a member of this. This is something I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. So I joined both associations as a student. It wasn't an over lot of money. I think it was 20 bucks at the time or $25 back then. And it was a one-time fee. So early on, I joined both. Now, That gave me the opportunity to get information about both associations while I was in school. And then, obviously, I made the decision that ICA was the direction I was going to go. So when I got out, I only stayed with the ICA as far as uh, from a D.C. standpoint. But from what I heard, you know, the defenses were beyond that. And and just as a thing, because I know they're obviously not doing a good job educating you. We are in the midst right now of, um, I'll call it a transformation in healthcare payment. I don't know if it's delivery, but payment. Uh, not too long ago, they passed the uh, biggest change in healthcare, the Affordable Care Act. Millions of people buy their health insurance through that. There are constant discussions whether or not it'll take place. My personal opinion is eventually we'll be at some level like that. You hear the Medicare for all type of scenario. Um, Now, if that's the case, and we're strictly speaking about reimbursement levels, if that's the case, it's going to be on the National Association's plate to have or to make sure chiropractic is included in such an offering. See, right now, chiropractic is included in Medicare for an adjustment, the adjustment only not the exams or the x-rays necessary, and certainly not all the other procedures that are allowed under various state licensure, just the adjustment, just so many of them uh, under Medicare. So if they went for a Medicare for all scenario, that means, you know, a lot of chiropractors would be upset about that, but that also means that every man, woman, and child in the United States would have chiropractic coverage according to Medicare guidelines, which to me, I think is a huge plus because a lot of people don't have chiropractic coverage. They decide they want to do chiropractic. There's a financial decision in that that's not necessarily there when they make a decision about medical care. You know, I've got a medical problem. I don't think about it. I've seen people choose medical care when they thought chiropractic was better because of the difference in reimbursements. You know, well, I really don't, I really would rather not have the surgery, but my insurance doesn't pay for chiropractic. It pays for the surgery. 
wow, that's a terrible way to make a decision. That should be off the plate. Um, so the national associations will be the ones that play a part in that. You know, that, uh, so I know they're not obviously from you guys nodding your head yes, but do you hear anything from the national associations relative to their work politically in this arena? Because I know it's ongoing right now, being prepared to do this. This is my first time hearing it. No? <laughs> yeah, definitely my first time hearing you know, it. And I'm not, a, it's not like I'm in the loop uh, overtly. I still get some of the information, but it's not like I get daily briefings like I used to about what's going on. But it's out there. Um, you know, are there challenges? Yes. Uh, I know there was a challenge on a state level not too long ago. I talked about the, the pediatric one, but there was also the attempt to tier licensing to allow two types of chiropractors, your regular chiropractor and then your advanced chiropractor who's allowed to give medications. That was in New Mexico. It, it has failed, but uh, the ICA was instrumental and they stepped into the state Again, an unusual situation for a national association to go in and lobby and have their representatives go in and speak on it, but they did, and obviously very important. Um, it's happened before in, in regulation and licensure attempts in places outside the United States. I know Spain and a few other countries have similar scenarios where chiropractic was having trouble getting established and associations went in from outside. But... So you don't really, you haven't seen or just haven't heard. So there hasn't really been a, a proper outreach to the students is what you're saying. Correct. See, I don't, I don't blame the students because you guys are like, well, maybe I should join this thing. You're looking at me like that, you know, because look at what could happen. Um, but also, do you get any encouragement by your institution to join any of these? No. No. Not see, now that, I find another issue with that uh, as far as my rant goes. Um, not only do I think that the associations are kind of falling, on, falling off on the student level, but the schools are too. The school has a certain responsibility to, I mean, they're educating you. They should be giving you information relative to the importance of being involved. They may not necessarily want to direct you in which direction to go, although if the school has a certain uh, leaning, it should. But they certainly need to do something as opposed to nothing. I agree. Because I would say that most cases here, we have students who they'll get out of school, and if they've not been exposed, the likelihood of them taking a step afterwards when they're not in constant communication somehow is a lot is a lot smaller. You know, you're not going to get it on social media. You're not going to you know see a lot of it on Twitter probably. Um, you know, if the school's not exposing it and bringing in the speakers and you know, making it an offering and an important conception. I mean, let's just, you know, and I'm, I'm ranting now, but that's what the name of this thing is, by the way. You're going to be spending the rest of your professional lives, decades, in a profession, and your very ability to do what you do is controlled by a state legislature and or a national uh, legislative body. And the only input you have into those, other than writing a single letter, is through those associations, the state or the nationals. And yet, I don't necessarily know the school's giving you that kind of, you, you need to do this thing. I don't care which one you do, but you need to join. Or that the National Association is doing a good enough job of, you know, this is really important, what's going on here. 
right. you know? And maybe on a national association level, they don't see it as a value because of your dues are small. You know, let's go for the guys who are paying big bucks and convince them they should be in here. But you guys will be those guys, yeah. you know, guys and gals. For, uh, we have just guys with us today. Um, so from that standpoint, and you mentioned something about, uh, Matt, you mentioned something about the idea of offering something to you to help get you, you know, motivated. I know there's a lot of practice management seminars out there. You talked about Dynamic Essentials DE. What do you th what do you think the national associations can specifically do? In which case, if they were doing a program you're in, they can inform you more of what was going on. But what do you think they can specifically do to actually entice you to be more of a part of their groups on a national level? Right. I think one thing that could be interesting is promoting thirty to thirty second to one minute clips, or maybe just a couple of minutes, so something short to grab somebody's attention, but just give advice from the perspective of somebody who's been in practice for a long time. Because as students, we don't get a lot of, while we may get people's perspectives a little bit in the classes, it's nice to hear from people who've been in practice for a long time, what works, what doesn't, the way they like to phrase things, even things we've heard before. So sometimes stuff like that might be helpful. Yeah, and life's social media could cover that very easily. Right. It could work out pretty well. I th and life could partner with, with a group to do that kind of work. I think that'd be great. Years ago, um, and it was mainly through DE, uh, although it was a close adjoinment between Dynamic Essentials and ICA, be it that Sid Williams was a past president of ICA, um, there was a program on campus, on your campus, called uh, Adopt a Class. You, you look at me like you've never heard of it, but you, what happened was they, usually before a Dynamic Central meeting when a bunch of doctors were coming into town, the various classes would give up an hour uh, to have a doctor in practice successful come in and speak to that class. So if you had a two-hour class, an hour of it was given up to adopt the class. And, uh, you know, it was up to the professor to cover the material and, you know, squeeze it a little tighter so that they can get that hour. And some of the professors weren't thrilled with the idea, but still, the edict came down that we want real doctors in the, and so in your class, you'd walk in expecting to hear about, you know, some clinical subject. And the first hour would be a chiropractor who's successful coming in and sharing their experience with you. And during the course of your education, you'd probably be exposed to 20 or 30 of those uh, through various quarters and things. So I know that's not there now. And I know there, you know, the, the claim is that with the regulatory bodies and the educational processes and the, the Council of Chiropractic Education and all this other stuff that it's, it's harder to do. But I don't think it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think there's an impetus to do that. Uh, and also have national, I mean, you have assemblies now, which have been there all along. Your assemblies are different. How many do you have to attend now compared to before? I think it's like 11. Yeah, that sounds right. 11 all toll or in a it's probably three per quarter so i guess 33 in total yeah okay so three per quarter years ago was every week you had to be at every one yeah. it was a class you know and i can't tell you how many of those i spoke as as an ica official in the past and certainly from other groups and things but do you have many guest speakers coming into either your classrooms or your assembly times speaking at you here 
Well, not a lot, but we did have, we've had the doctors Wolfson, which were really cool. So one of them is a medical doctor who became a holistic cardiologist. He's given people much healthier options. Pretty cool. Not necessarily chiropractic, but it was nice to give a wellness perspective outside of what, what we do necessarily. And then the other thing, the other person who came who I really loved was Dr. Bruce Lipton. He came to speak to us and my visceral diagnosis class, we actually took a whole day and we gave a two-hour lecture to listen to Dr. Bruce Lipton speak about epigenetics and the effect of the environment on the body. I thought that was amazing. Now, you know, I mean, I, I've heard of Dr. Bruce. In fact, I think I've met him a few times over the years. But I noticed both of the people who came to you that left the impression, neither of them were chiropractors. Right, right. So in other words, right. nobody came to you and gave you this chiropractic stirring talk, um, you know, that said, wow, this is, you know, it was something else. Uh, granted, aligned with the vitalistic and natural thing, but not chiropractic. Right. Yeah. It's not like somebody came in and shared with you testimonials about some of the amazing things uh, that have happened on the chiropractic or, yeah. you know, their amazing journey into opening a huge practice or, or a big pediatric center of practice in chiropractic. So none of that was there. The school would be on fire if people, if, some, if they had people come in doing that. They, on a regular yeah, basis. The students, the students would be enthralled. We don't really get that much in the classroom setting. We do get, the, on a rare occasion, an assembly. But having someone come and present to our class, that would be great. It's sad. I mean, uh, you know, I, don't, I mean, your philosophy classes should be able to get you some of that, but that's early on, and then you don't have much later on. It should be integrated yeah. throughout the process. Yes, I agree. Um, and I, I'm sure that it doesn't happen. It, it, that might be my rant for, you know, today anyway. was not only... Do the national and, and state associations need to step up and push for more presence uh, at the student level? But the schools need to step up and make that opening more available to the national associations and also bring in practitioners. I mean, one of the nicest things I think that happens uh, from the school standpoint, and I, I know uh, from life standpoint, and I can't speak for all the schools in this, but the, the PEAK program or an internship program uh, allows you to get into a realistic practice, a real practice, different than a learning clinic, which is the schools, and they have to teach you the way they teach you because you have to learn stuff. Um, would you say, and I know the answer to the question, so I'm asking anyway so you can answer it, would you say there's a fairly significant difference between the real practice and the clinic practice in the clinic? Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of practical advice that you get in a real clinic that where, where in a student clinic or outpatient clinic, there's a lot of things that you have to follow and a lot of uh, directions that, that you just have to follow based on what's taught in the school. Yeah, not like there's not guidelines here, but it's a different scenario. Yes. Right. You know, so, so you think there would be value. I mean, you, you've seen the value interning that uh, I know we spoke really about unlearning some things, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's not a question of not having information. It's just thinking a little differently. Yeah. Thinking like a practitioner, thinking like a chiropractor, as opposed to thinking like a student, which is to attempt to please the administrator so you can get the paper signed. Yeah. Right. You know yeah, I mean? we were mostly thinking about numbers rather than when we're working with patients in a peak situation. While we do have numbers that we must fulfill, of course, what we're more focused on is the patient's well-being, and the patient has a different level of expectation here. So what I've found is that there's a different um, 
rules of engagement, I would guess. Something yeah. like that. So that's what we're learning here. And uh, yeah, it's great to learn in the peak program. I love it. So I'm not okay, well, I just wish, uh, and if my rant and admonition, admonition for today is that I hope the schools open up the earlier quarters more to have practicing chiropractors and or practicing chiropractors involved in politics come in and share their experiences both in a practice setting, what it's like to be in practice, a little bit of the real world, as well as the importance of being a part of both state and national chiropractic associations. These are the groups that will in the future defend your ability to practice and determine from a legal standpoint, what you can and can't do, who you can and can't see. I mean, it's that basic. You know, we get cut out of certain programs on a national level, uh, and there are those who will applaud the idea that, oh, great, we'll all be cash, but people will be making decisions on coming to see a chiropractor who've never been to one before based on what they're paid for. You know, and that's an unfortunate reality. There should be no discussion or thought process on that. It should be only on the benefits in healthcare, I can, as I as a consumer or patient can get of chiropractic versus a medical or allopathic approach. Um, John, you got any uh, last minute uh, closing rants or comments you want to make? Uh, making it more practical for the students. That's that's how that's how you entice them, in my opinion. And Matt, what about you? Well, looking forward to seeing what kind of value you uh, bring <laughs> to us as students, as doctors, and doctors. So looking forward to that. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, both of these doctors here are brand new in our, our facility here. They've just started their peak uh, program. They're on uh, day four, day five at this point, I think it was. Um, so they started last week officially. And uh, we're, we're whipping them into shape here. But they're both great uh, learning, uh, and they're doing a good job at this. So... I want to thank you all today for listening. That you have heard another episode of Cairo Rants. Thank you for listening to Cairo Rants. Subscribe for free and listen to insightful, truthful, and hard hitting discussions with some of the biggest names in chiropractic. Cairo Rants is sponsored in part by Now You Know Online and In Office Educational Services. Learn how to expand your educational outreach to your patients and your community at www.nowyouknow.net. The opinions of Cairo Rants are exclusively those of Dr. Braille and do not reflect the opinions of any associations, groups, institutions, or sponsors mentioned in these podcasts. This has been Cairo Rants.